Hello everyone and welcome to the PJB Sports Pod. Hello and welcome to the College Football Week 12 Review Week 13 Preview episode. Um, I'm going to go over Upset Central um, from last week. And then um, some near misses and wild games that I just couldn't ignore. Um, And then go over next week's AP Top 25 games. Um, Some other notable games for the week that I like that aren't ranked on ranked or ranked at all matchups. And go over my best bets from last week, which I'm just going to say we went 6-3-1 last week. Not terrible. And then going to pick some best bets for the last week of the regular season for college football. So, we're going to go over Upset Central now. Going over the biggest one, first and foremost, South Carolina defeated number 5 Tennessee 63-38 to as Hendon Hooker would leave late with what was an ankle lower leg injury looking like. I've heard today, them recording this Monday, by the way, um, heard today that Hendon Hooker tore his ACL is out for a calendar year. So, we're going to have to uh, see how Tennessee goes on with Joe Milton, who did come in at the end of this game uh, to replace Hooker. But, going on from that emotional as I am if you haven't listened to me before um I I grew up a big USC fan that was one of the first college football games I ever watched was the 2006 Rose Bowl with Texas and USC and I gravitated toward USC that's been one of my favorite college football teams my whole life um I went to a Tennessee football game last season ironically against South Carolina at Neyland Stadium Absolutely fell in love with the atmosphere, loved watching the team, and I've been following them ever since, so I call myself a fan. Obviously not die hard though. Um so this this one was hard to swallow. But um anyways we'll go over the stats of that game now. Hendon Hooker before he leaving, two hundred and forty seven passing yards, three passing touchdowns, twenty five rushing yards. Joe Milton the third, who came in to replace him, one hundred and eight passing yards, a passing touchdown, and seventeen rushing yards. Spencer Rattler, the Oklahoma transfer, my goodness, he lit it up. I like to say that Spencer Rattler throughout this season has had basically, mm, I don't know, 160 to 180 in terms of yards passing per game. Um, In this game against Tennessee, 438 passing yards, 6 passing touchdowns, and 1, or 1, yeah, 16, sorry, rushing yards. And I also noticed that in conference play this season, Spencer Rattler has had Barely positive touchdown to interception ratio. Um, then he has six passing touchdowns and no picks against Tennessee. Antoine Wells, South Carolina wide receiver, 11 receptions for 177 yards. Number 12, Oregon defeated number 10, Utah, 20-17. to I know it's not that big of an upset, but in terms of numbers, it's an upset. Uh, Cam Rising, Utah's quarterback, had a disappointing day. 170 passing yards, three interceptions with 43 rushing yards. Dalton Kincaid, the tight end, had 11 receptions for 99 yards. For the Ducks, uh, Bo Nix, 287 yards, uh, one passing touchdown, one interception. Dante Thornton, four receptions, 151 yards for the Ducks. That now pretty well solidifies them making the Pac-12 championship, but I think I talk about that a little later on. Georgia Tech shocked number 13, uh, North Carolina 21-17. Drake May, 202 passing yards, 1 interception, and 13 rushing yards. Uh, Arkansas defeated number 14, Ole Miss 42-27. And the worst part about this game as an Ole Miss fan, if that is you, 21 of their 27 points came in the fourth quarter. This was a 42-6 game entering the final frame. 
Jackson Dart, Ole Miss quarterback, 240 passing yards, one passing touchdown, one interception, and 44 rushing yards. Quinshawn Judkins, uh, Ole Miss star running back, 214 yards and a touchdown. Zach Evans, their secondary running back, 207 yards and a touchdown as well. Malik Heath, if I'm saying that correctly, Malik Malik Heath, um, nine receptions, 140 yards and a touchdown for the Rebels. K.J. Jefferson for the Razorbacks, though, 168 passing yards for three passing touchdowns and another 47 rushing yards. Raheem Sanders, the running back, 232 yards and three touchdowns. Navy defeated number 20 UCF, 17 to 14, with zero passing yards on one attempt. I would just like to say that. <laughs> Absolutely ridiculous stat. Navy had one passing attempt and it was incomplete. They didn't even have a single reception all game. It was 100% rushing yards. Daba Fofana. Uh, Navy's running back had 114 yards. Mikey Keene, UCF quarterback, 123 passing yards, one passing touchdown, and negative 28 rushing yards. John Reese Plumley had 107 passing yards, one interception, and seven rushing yards as the other UCF uh, quarterback. Um, my computer is being dumb really quick. One second. Oklahoma defeated number 22, Oklahoma State, 28-13, to and possibly one of the final Bedlam games. Spencer Sanders, 381 passing yards, one passing touchdown, and four interceptions with 42 rushing yards. Brennan Presley, uh, nine receptions for 118 yards, and Braden Johnson, seven receptions for 109 yards. On the other side of the ball for the Sooners, Dylan Gabriel had 259 passing yards, two passing touchdowns, one interception, 30 rushing yards, and one rushing touchdown. Woo-wee. Louisville defeated number 24, NC State, 25-10. to 10. Jawar Jordan, Louisville running back, 105 yards and a touchdown. Ben Finley, NC State's quarterback, had 201 yards, one touchdown, and a pick. Some near misses and wild games, like I said earlier, I just couldn't ignore giving them some more attention than what I was going to later on in this episode. Number three, Michigan defeated Illinois 19-17 on a last-second Jake Moody field goal kick. Chase Brown for the Illini had 140 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns with three receptions and another 24 receiving yards. J.J. McCarthy for the Wolverines had 208 passing yards and 18 rushing yards. Uh, Blake Corum had 108 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown, uh, two receptions, and 39 receiving yards. Blake Corum left the game right before half. I think it was two minutes to go before halftime. Corum left with a knee injury, uh, which had Wolverine fans' hearts in their mouths. Ended up coming back for, I think it was literally just one play he ran in the second half and then sat on the sidelines the rest of the game. Uh, Illinois would take a 17-10 lead late in the third quarter. Michigan would go on three drives in the fourth quarter with Jake Moody field goals winning the game for them. Number four, TCU defeated Baylor 29-28 in an even more dramatic last-second kick. Uh, Max Duggan for the Horned Frogs, 327 passing yards, one passing touchdown, one interception, 50 rushing yards, and a rushing touchdown as well. Blake Shapin for the Baylor Bears, 269 passing yards, one passing touchdown, one interception, and another 20 rushing yards. Baylor was up 28-20 after TCU missed an extra point earlier in the game. TCU scores a touchdown with about two minutes left and fails the two-point conversion. And you think, wow, 28-26, Baylor did it. They upset TCU. Well, not so fast. Baylor then tries to throw the ball twice in their first three downs and end up having to punt the ball back with enough time for TCU to run, literally a running play with 20 seconds on the clock, uh, ran everybody off the field, ran the field goal unit onto the field, and had the game-winning kick go through the uprights as the clock struck triple zeros. 
an absolutely ridiculous finish um, in Waco. Ridiculous finish. Uh, Baylor should have won that game. I don't know what they were thinking, but whatever. Um, the last game was probably one that everybody stayed up to watch. Number 7 USC defeated number 16 UCLA 48-45 to in a shootout between Caleb Williams and Dorian Thompson Robinson. So we'll start with the Heisman Trophy frontrunner in my mind because he is the MVP of this team. Caleb Williams, 470 passing yards with two passing touchdowns and an interception with another 33 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown to his name. I say he's the MVP um, deserving of the Heisman because he is undoubtedly the most valuable player to these Trojans, like the Trojan team. Uh, Tell me another player that is more valuable to the success and downfall of their team. I'll wait because, I mean, maybe Blake Corum with Michigan, but then you also got, is it Donovan Edwards is the running back behind him that was also out in the game against Illinois. Caleb Williams to me, like C.J. Stroud is great, but if you had receivers like Emeka Abuka, Marvin Harrison Jr., I know Jackson Smith and Jigba's been out this season, but if you gave those receivers to I don't know, say Michigan, a team that likes to run the ball, they'd still find a way for those receivers to be great. It's not C.J. Strout's own doing that that team is great. Caleb Williams makes this USC offense go. It goes as he does. Austin Jones filling in for injured Travis Dye in the backfield. 120 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, another four receptions, and 57 receiving yards. Jordan Addison, last year's bullet in the cough winner, 11 receptions for 178 yards and a touchdown. Dorian Thompson-Robinson for the Bruins, 309 passing yards, four passing touchdowns with three picks, 81 rushing yards, and two rushing touchdowns. These two teams traded scores until USC's last full possession, where they punted right after Joel Klatt got done saying it seemed like a game where the team to punt will lose the game. USC punts this ball, and two or three plays into UCLA's drive, DTR throws a game-sealing interception, and obviously, USC runs the clock out with a few kneel downs afterwards. Anyways, those are the few games I just had to give a little more spotlight because they weren't upsets, but they were crazy games to watch. AP Top 25 games this week. As I explained last week, I used the AP Top 25 because college football playoff rankings don't come out till Tuesday night. And I like to release this podcast Tuesday morning, so I'm recording this on Monday. So I only have AP Top 25 to look at. So it's a mess how I organize it. But we do it because you listen. So Thursday, November 24th, Thanksgiving, we have Mississippi State at Ole Miss, number 20, who is a three-point favorite. Ole Miss is in a tailspin right now after losing three of their last four contests and not having much time to prepare for the Egg Bowl here to end their regular season. The running game has stayed consistent for the Rebels, but the defense has given up 117 points in the three losing efforts this season, and there's constant speculation right now that head coach Lane Kiffin could leave for the head coaching role at Auburn. Uh, Some people saying Lane Kiffin might leave to go to Auburn to compete with Nick Saban in the SEC West and have a better recruiting base, um, be more competitive, because there's only so much that Ole Miss can do. I don't see him doing that. I see him more likely to wait until Nick Saban retires and take over to Alabama. Me personally, of course. Friday, November 25th, Black Friday. Uh, 19, Tulane at 21, Cincinnati. The Bearcats are three-point favorites. Tulane's defense averaged a total of 323.4 yards allowed per game before allowing 938 total yards to UCF and SMU in the last two games. 
They're going to have to tighten up for this game if they plan on getting a piece of the program's first conference title since Conference USA in 1998 and the first 10-win season in 24 years. But they're going to have to end Cincy's 32-game home winning streak to do so. Bearcat quarterback Ben Bryant left their game last week late in the first half with a foot injury after putting up 130 yards and a touchdown before sophomore Evan Prater replaced him with 127 yards. Bryant's status will be a big piece to the season finale for Cincinnati, as well as the team's chance at a third straight American Athletic Conference championship title um, before leaving for the Big 12 next season. Baylor at 24, Texas. They're ranked again for whatever reason. I don't even know anymore. They're a four-loss team. I don't understand it, but Texas is a seven-point favorite. If Texas wins against Baylor, it would be their second win streak of the season with two wins in a row the other streak being a three-game win streak in the middle of the season. This will surely be Bijan Robinson's final home game as a Longhorn, coming off his third career 200-plus rushing yard game. A win over Baylor would give Texas sole possession of third place in the Big 12. North Carolina State at number 18, North Carolina. The Tar Heels are 6.5-point favorite. Speaking of, the Tar Heels played like a team that knew its ACC championship game spot was already guaranteed. Losing at home to a big underdog in Georgia Tech in UNC's worst offensive showing of the season, it was only the second game all season where North Carolina failed to score 30 points. The Tar Heels get one last chance to work out the offensive problems against North Carolina State before taking on Clemson and Charlotte for the conference crown. A little side note that I didn't type into my notes, Drake May once referred to North Carolina State as the school for kids that couldn't get into UNC. So that'll be fun to see. But, 17 UCLA is a nine-point favorite at Cal. UCLA will be trying to avoid their third straight loss against Cal here uh, to make it a little tougher. Quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson was obviously in pain with his throwing hand in their loss to USC, but should be available to play. This game doesn't mean much in terms of the Pac-12 for either team, but UCLA could earn their first nine-win regular season since 2014. Florida at number 16, Florida State, with the Seminoles being a nine-point favorite. Florida State has outscored their opponents 173-39 to over their last four-game win streak after their uh, pair of single-digit losses to North Carolina State and Clemson earlier on in the season. A win against the Gators this week would be the Seminoles' first since 2017 and the first in Tallahassee since 2016. Saturday, November 26th, the rest of the slate. Excuse me. Georgia Tech takes on number one Georgia, who's a 35.5-point favorite here. Georgia's SEC schedule is now complete, and they take on in-state rival Georgia Tech to finish their season and likely punch their ticket to the college football playoff, regardless of what happens in the SEC championship game against LSU. The goal for Georgia this week will be to have more polished work on offense and finish off drives with touchdowns rather than turnovers and punts. Number three, Michigan, and number two, Ohio State. The Buckeyes are an eight-and-a-half-point favorite. This is the game. Ohio State has been waiting for this game since losing it last season, a game where they got bullied on both lines of scrimmage and now have to go against Michigan's offensive and defensive lines that have the ability to dominate in the trenches yet again, and maybe in a better and more balanced way than last season's team. Even with a little more leeway in the college football playoff debate than Michigan would have, the Buckeyes will still see this game as a must-win to continue on towards the goal of a national championship. Ohio State hasn't lost consecutive games to Michigan since 1999 and 2000. It's been a little while. 
Michigan is 11-0 for the first time since 2006. And just like the Buckeyes, Michigan is dealing with injuries at some key positions, including running back Blake Corum, running back Donovan Edwards, tight end Luke Schoonmaker, and defensive end Mike Morris. Coach Harbaugh doesn't seem too worried about the injuries and says that the team is fully focused on the game that determines who goes to the Big Ten Championship and likely the college football playoff. South Carolina goes to Clemson to take on the number seven ranked Tigers, who are 14-point favorites. Clemson goes, or excuse me, I'm going to start that one over. Clemson got through ACC play undefeated for the first time since 2019 and somehow still remain in the college football playoff conversation, shockingly to me. They beat South Carolina eight straight times with four of the last five meetings, um, having the Gamecocks score 10 or fewer points. Me personally, I would have to think that South Carolina would be riding extremely high after flattening Tennessee last weekend and ending their playoff hopes, especially with a chance to do the same thing to an in-state rival on the road the very next week. Number 23, Coastal Carolina travels to James Madison with the Dukes being a 14.5 point favorite. In the first game without star quarterback Grayson McCall, the Chanticleers started Jared Guest and escaped with a 26-23 win over Southern Miss to claim or, to clinch the Sun Belt East in a shot at the conference championship game. Coastal is 31-4 since the start of 2020. They faced James Madison before the conference title game against either Troy or South Alabama in a shot at their second conference title in three seasons. Uh, Auburn at number 8, Alabama. The Crimson Tide are 21.5 point favorites. Alabama has gutted out two wins since what seemed like the season-ending motivation-ruining loss to LSU that kept them out of the SEC championship game and gave them two losses before the Iron Bowl for the first time since 2010. Speaking of the Iron Bowl, Alabama takes on their arch-rival Auburn at home on Sunday to end their SEC and regular season before waiting to see what happens ahead in the rankings. Here's one of the games I'm looking forward to most to cause chaos in the playoff rankings this week. Number 10, Oregon is a 3.5 point favorite on the road against Oregon State, ranked number 22 in the AP poll. Oregon needs to win in Corvallis this weekend to make the Pac-12 championship game, playing against one of the best Oregon State teams of recent memory. With a loss, Oregon would have to hope for a Washington loss and UCLA win to still make the title game. With eight wins already to their name, this is the best season since 2012 for the Beavers. Now they get a chance to demolish the hopes of Oregon in this edition of the Civil War. Oregon State has only won this matchup twice since 2007, but could they win this one? They still hold a chance to get a 10-win season. Iowa State at number 4 TCU with the Horned Frogs being a 10.5 point favorite. The Horned Frogs are two wins away from the college football playoff, playing at home against Iowa State and then in the Big 12 championship game. Iowa State's been disappointing this season, but they still pose a threat, still pose a serious threat to TCU with their steadily strong defense, holding teams to an average of 16.5 points per game and winning four of their last five games. Uh, yeah, in a row, whatever. I don't know how to phrase that. I just kind of trailed off. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Michigan State at number 11, Penn State, with the team from Happy Valley, the Nittany Lions, being 18-point favorites. This could be the first time since 2019 that Penn State has a 10-win season, and it comes from the legs of two ESPN 300 running backs. Katron Allen ran for 117 yards and a touchdown last week, while Nick Singleton chipped in with a 100-yard kickoff return. So sorry, I can't read. Also, I'd just like to add that Penn State was one of the only teams very few teams that um, wasn't disappointing or like tripped over itself or 
avoided disappointment, basically, is what I'm trying to say in their matchups last week. Oh, yeah. Next up, number 14, Utah is a 29.5 point favorite at Colorado. With the absolute chaos of Utah, Oregon State, UCLA, and Washington all winning this weekend, Utah would still have a chance to defend their Pac-12 championship. After their bowl game and playing the worst team in the conference, Utah could still win 10 games this season after starting with a shocking loss to Florida in Week 1 in the Swamp. Number 6, LSU is a 9-point favorite at Texas A&M. LSU would be a shoe-in for the college football playoff with two more wins, but they cannot overlook Texas A&M this week, especially when playing in College Station. Texas A&M is 1-6 in SEC play this season, but LSU just needed all four quarters to beat Arkansas a couple weeks ago. Whew. Number 25, UCF. 18-point favorites going to South Florida. Take on the Bulls. A quarterback controversy for the Golden Knights, Gus Malzahn, Bench starter John Reese Plumley after 170 yards and one interception at halftime in favor of Mikey Keene, who threw 123 yards for a touchdown. The loss still came due to a lack of effective rushing with 84 yards on the ground and allowing five sacks to put a massive dent in a New Year's Six Bowl game hopes for the Golden Knights. Number 13, Notre Dame takes on number 5, USC. The Trojans are a six-point favorite at home. USD has little time to breathe after the chaos against UCLA and the Rose Bowl. Now going back to the Coliseum to play host to Notre Dame, a team that has already seemingly doused Clemson's college football playoff chances and surely will be trying to end the playoff hunt for the Trojans as well. Two more wins for USC and they'll likely be in the four-team field. A loss would leave the Pac-12 with yet another year of no team representing them. Notre Dame's only road loss of the season was against Ohio State to open the season, and keeping that, the only road loss would help Marcus Freeman spin his first season in charge in a positive light for the Irish faithful. Even after a terrible and sluggish start to the season, a win against the Trojans, which, um, which, oh, which Notre Dame has four in a row of, and the Irish could still end with a six straight 10 win season. Number nine, Tennessee without Hendon Hooker is a 17 point favorite at Vanderbilt. After an absolutely deflating loss. Tennessee goes to Nashville to take on a Vanderbilt team who has won two straight SEC games against Kentucky and Florida and is one win away from becoming bowl eligible. Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker left the game in the fourth quarter with a torn ACL, now I know this, um, and was replaced by Joe Milton, but this came long after the game was out of reach when Tennessee was outplayed and outcoached from the start. Kansas is traveling to take on number 15 Kansas State in Manhattan. Uh, 11.5 point favorite are the Wildcats. 13 straight wins in a rivalry game would seem predictable, but with Kansas Bull eligible for the first time in a long way, the Sunflower Showdown has even more meaning than in recent seasons. With a win, Kansas State ensures a rematch with TCU in the Big 12 championship game and a chance at redemption after building an 18 point lead and losing it after their top two quarterbacks were taken out of the game. Final AP Top 25 game of the week, I have number 12, Washington, a two-point favorite on the road at Washington State. You like balance offenses, huh? How about 295 passing yards and 280 rushing yards against Colorado last week for the Huskies? A win in the Apple Cup against Wazoo would mean that Washington would hit their 10-win mark for the first time since 2018, and most impressively doing so in the first season under new head coach Kalen DeBoer. Some other notable games for me. Uh, Nebraska at Iowa, 9.5 point favorites are the Hawkeyes. This is a battle for the Big Ten West Part 1. 
Then we got Minnesota at Wisconsin with the Badgers being three-point favorites, part two. Purdue, ten-point favorites at Indiana, part three. Somehow, someway, we're going to find out who wins the Big Ten West and will take on the winner of the Ohio State-Michigan game. Within those three games, whoever comes out on top in terms of the Big Ten West division will play the winner of uh, Michigan and Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. The other notable games I have, Louisville at Kentucky with the Wildcats being a four-point favorite. How about a battle of of Kentucky here in a game with maybe Malik Cunningham facing off against the most overrated quarterback prospect in Will Levis? How's that sound to you? Because I can't wait to see it. If Malik Cunningham plays, that is. The other game I had highlighted was Pitt minus six and a half at Miami. Both teams, excuse me, were major disappointments this season, but Miami still needs a win here to be bowl eligible, while Pitt already is eligible to go bowling. Reviewing my best bets last week, like I said earlier, we went six three and one this week, so not bad. My wins we had. Uh, or my push, I'm just going to go straight to the push. Wake Forest minus 10 versus uh, Syracuse was 45 to 35. Wins Texas Tech plus 3.5 at Iowa State. Um, UTSA minus 13 at Rice. They dominated Tulane minus 3 at SMU. Same thing there. Cal minus 5.5 at Stanford. Terrible backdoor cover on the over. If you had over 46.5, I'm sorry to tell you the score of that game was 27 to 20. Uh, Louisville minus four versus NC State, one by 15. And UMass plus 33.5 at Texas A&M. Easiest cover you'll ever have. The losses, UNLV minus 10 at Hawaii. They lost outright. San Jose State at Utah State. I am done playing the Mountain West Conference. And Ole Miss minus three at Arkansas got trounced. My best bets for the final regular season week of the college football season. 40-46-2 as of last week, so hopefully we can have another positive record and after conference championships have a positive record on the season. Arizona minus 4 versus Arizona State. I just think Arizona is better, at least being more consistent in what they bring to the table. So being short favorites at home, I'm willing to give the points. Penn State minus 18 versus Michigan State. Penn State can stop the Spartans' offense and run over the Spartans' defense. I don't think this one's too hard to pick the right side. Tennessee minus 17 at Vanderbilt. Two salad the best possible spot in the final two sets of rankings. Tennessee knows that they have to put points on the board here. And Ford and Kentucky are much different tasks to Tennessee for Vanity to try to upset. Michigan plus 8.5 at Ohio State. I don't see this game being a blowout on either side, so I will gladly take the team that gets more than a touchdown worth in points. South Carolina plus 14 at Clemson. Absolutely no way the Gamecocks get blown out after steamrolling the Volunteers last week. Clemson can be inept on offense sometimes, so 14 points is a lot to give when the opposing team just put up 63 points on the number 5 team in the country last week. North Texas minus 13.5 versus Rice. Rice is bad and North Texas is better. Plus this game is at North Texas, so I'm just not going to overthink this one. UTSA, minus 18 versus UTEP. Same as the last one. UTSA is better, and they're the home team, so I'm not going to overthink it. I'm just going to take it. BYU, minus 6.5 at Stanford. Stanford hates fun and can't score. BYU putting up 21 might just be enough to cover this number. So, hopefully we can improve on the 40-46-2 record. If you don't like these picks, you can always take a 5-team 7-point teaser on FanDuel. Add 7 points to your picks, make you feel a little more confident. That's a plus 400 odds you will get. That's all I got for this week. Next week we'll be talking conference championships, 
hopefully a lot of upsets happen this week just absolute chaos reasons but um until next time i'll talk to you later Bye bye <laughs>